What's up? It's Sierra. Hey, it's Ebony. And And welcome welcome to the the Real Play Podcast. Hey guys, before you listen to the episode, we wanted you to know that we record all of our episodes with no script. We do very minor editing on our um, episodes as well. We want to come from a real place. We want you to hear how we are feeling at that time. And this episode is no different. It's a little difficult for us to talk about racism. We're not used to having a platform to share our thoughts and discuss um, what we're feeling. And so um, you'll hear during the episode that we are trying to process our thoughts. We haven't really had time to kind of sit with them as well. So we're processing and we're also um, letting our feelings out on the episode. So please bear with us again. And if you have any questions, if you want to discuss something, is if there's something you don't like that we said, if it's something you agree with, if something that you want to add input on, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can DM us at the Real Play Podcast. You can also reach out to us via email. And so that would be the Real Play Podcast at gmail.com. We'll love to hear from you. Um, we're in this together. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. Well, hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Real Play Podcast. This is Ebony. Welcome, guys. This is Sierra. And so today we're going to talk to you a little bit about racism. Um, From our perspective, we have been seeing a lot of things going on in the media, on social media. And um, we recently did a poll on our um, Instagram Account. If you're not following us, it's at the Real Play Podcast. And the poll simply asks like, what topics did um, our listeners want us to discuss, to discuss. And one of those topics that we kept getting over and over was um, people wanted to hear about, you know, things that's going on now in the media. And I think it's only right that we discuss it. And I also want to thank our listeners for pushing us and um, letting us know what content you guys want to hear because we only want to be of value to you guys. And so we're going to talk about racism from our point of view. Um, we do not claim to be the most educated, the most knowledgeable. <laughs> um, so bear with us. Um, and we hope that we can um, just shed some light on what we know what we think and also um what we've experienced ourselves yes really that's that's mainly as though even though we're not experts in what's going on like we're not analyzing all all the data of racism in the united states and in the world we know how we've been impacted from what we've seen on tv what we've heard in the news and what we've experienced ourselves so that's what we're here we just want to discuss our feelings and how what's happening around us right now is affecting what we do and how we react and interact with people on a daily basis so i want to start with the obvious i know um there's a ton of things going on with the world there was um the unfortunate killing of george floyd and murder Huh? The um, the murder of. <laughs> what did I say? You said killing. Yeah, sorry. 
thank you for correcting me, murder <laughs> of George Floyd. And um, that honestly had me thinking a lot, guys. Um, so, and I was talking to Sierra about this off um, audio, but it, it put things in a different perspective for me. So I've been the one to not really post all of my feelings on social media. If you've listened to a, any of our podcasts, we've talked about my struggle with vulnerability and also just not um, wanting to feel like I had to post anything because I felt like, what what will a post do? Like I can have a conversation with my friends, um, mm-hmm. but why would I need to post something? And so recently you know, it's just, I've been changing my thinking on a lot of things. And one thing that I've been telling people or would want you to know is in order to be heard, you must be seen. And so that's why it's important to get George Floyd's name out there. It's important to let people know what's going on with racism, police brutality, and our thoughts, our feelings. And also guys, I want us as a society to make sure we push the needle forward and we're not staying stuck where they want us to be. Um, I'm going to read you a couple of things, a couple of um, things that I recently have been kind of thinking about too. I actually recently started reading this book. um, Sorry if you can hear that noise, but I've been reading this book called The Water Dancer and it's a fictional book. Um, I don't really know how to say his name, so I might mess it up, but I think it's Tanache Coates. Um, I've been reading his book, and um, I'm ashamed. I'm very ashamed. This is my first time reading a book about slavery. Um, They don't teach a lot of uh, education for the Black community in schools. So um, upon reading this book, uh, a couple of quotes, quotes stuck out to me. And um, not to plug this on my our podcast, Sierra, but I have um, created this kind of um, bookstagram, this book club, this area where I can talk about because I love them so much. Um, it's called Imagine Me Reading. But anyway, I posted um, a couple of quotes and I want to get your take on these quotes to Sierra because I don't even know if uh, you've read them. But uh, the first quote says, um, and it was I who was tired in both body and soul. And it was I out there wrestling against the pull of the current, against the fantastic events that had deposited me there. And now wrestling with the demand that I once again save another when I can't even conjure the energy to save myself. Now, let me give you the backstory. This is a fictional character. His name is um, Aram. And he is basically, he is um, a slave. His brother is a white male of um, a plantation in which the the master is both of their dads. But the black young man is tasked with being his, uh, I don't even know, butler for the lack of words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they both tumble into this water and he's having to think about, do I save myself when I've been doing everything I can to really save this guy. Um, you know, cause once again, I'm having to save him again and put my own thoughts behind me or do I save myself? And, um, I'll just give you my current thoughts around this. I had posted, um, 
saying, just imagine how tired and worn down our ancestors were from having to continue to put their own well-being to the side in order to survive. Freedom to do, be, and think weren't, weren't an option. We have the freedom today, but why do we still act as if we have the chains of yesterday attached to us? Let's continue to practice self-care. Let's continue to uh, taking care of one another, but remember to put on your own mask first. Let's continue to grow, learn, and use our blessings wisely. Um, from this quote, what do you think about it as far as like putting your own thoughts and feelings on the onto the side and also how it relates to this situation like we're tired as a whole mind body and spirit but we're still having to keep going yeah that it's a deep story that it sounds like you're reading and the the quote from it is very it cuts because it's like we we do have to think about like we think about ourselves do we put ourselves first or and let our feelings and true emotions come out because who knows what people are gonna look at us, how people are gonna look at us once they know how we really feel. Or do we keep that mask on and just kind of keep Pretend that smile? everything's okay. Yeah. yeah, everything's good. Like, I'm cool, I'm fine, nothing's bothering me. Yeah, my people, my community is suffering. My community, members of my community are being targeted, but I'm good. I'm just gonna go to work like nothing happened. Right. So it's, it is a daily internal battle and it does mess with your psyche because you're like, you're looking at somebody you're like, okay, could they be one of those people? Could they not be one of those people? Can I tell them the real truth of how I feel or do I really need to truly keep it in? Who can I talk to? So yeah, that's, I'm interested to see what happens next in the story, <laughs> but yeah, that, um, it's a daily battle that I think every single person of color, whether you're black, Mexican, um, Asian, I'm not Mexican, Hispanic, <laughs> Asian, like, I think we all have to think about that. Like, do we really, any, any group of people that are being oppressed, of color, anybody, like even, you know, sometimes Jewish people, they're, they can be in any one, but they are yeah. So anyone, any group of people are being oppressed, you really do have to sometimes say like, to yourself, put that smile on and act like it didn't happen. And you will only know if you're sitting in your, that skin of oppression, right? Because sometimes I can't imagine what it, it feels like to not be oppressed, not be um, having to watch when you walk out the door that you're not out at, at a certain time of night, having to watch behind you when you're in the grocery store, having to constantly always look and feel and wonder, wonder. Um, and to your point earlier, even at work, like, so this quarantine is going on, right? That's a whole nother, that adds a whole nother layer. So people have been so scared about this quarantine, which I, I completely understand. Um, but this is just a micro minor thing that you have to feel and that's going to eventually go away. Yet we, this thing that we feel, it will never go away. Hopefully we, in, in a perfect world, it will disappear. We won't have to experience it, but we've been experiencing it for the last 400 and something years. So 
if we know anything about history, history repeats itself, unfortunately. And so um, it's, it's a sad, sad, sad thing. I know you've, I haven't been going into work in person. So I have a very different experience than you, but I will say to work, you're already mentally exhausted from seeing the media, seeing what's on social media, hearing it from your friends, discussing it, and then seeing pictures, hearing audio, looking at the video, seeing riots, things, all of these things just build and build and build and you're already worn down and then having to go to work on top of it. So I work from home, uh, but work in any capacity is mentally exhausting, right? Right. So think of all these different layers of, you know, I don't, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, just all these different layers pressing down on you and then having one big layer, just like you're almost breaking but you have to sit still to this quote stand in some type of way. How has the difference been for you because you've been having to go into the office with the same mindset? So this was actually a question that I, I asked joy back on our mental health um, episode, our very first episode, because it's something that I've struggled with and not even just recently dealing with um, George Floyd or with Ahmad or with Breonna Taylor, those are the most recent that have come up within the month of May. They didn't yeah. all happen in May, but they've come up since then. Um, knowing that stuff is happening in my community and then going to work afterwards, it's hard because you are looking at people and you, you don't talk about it because you don't want them to judge you. You don't want them to look at you like, oh, well. You can't perform she's in her feelings because of something that's happening all the way in, we'll just say Georgia or happening wherever it's happening, Texas. Um, but it's not true because a lot of the stuff that the people that it's happening to look like me, look like my two brothers, look like my dad, my uncle, my cousins, my friends, even colleagues. So if it's not happening to your community as a whole, um, it doesn't really hit them the same way as it would hit me. And I have to sit there and I have to put on that face because I do have a bubbly personality at work. I do make sure that I keep my emotions intact and I'm not crying at the desk. So I have to put it, I have to put my superwoman cape on for eight hours and then come back home and sit down. Either that or I have to call out. So because we're in the middle of this pandemic, um, it's not as many people at work. So I'm not having to go to meetings and sit in it and, and like try to pretend like it didn't happen. But I also haven't been back to work since the most recent one happened. So when I do go, I know it's gonna be still in the back of my head, but thankfully I won't have to go to a meeting or look at anybody in their face and say like, and pretend I don't feel it. I can actually live it. I could probably sit at my desk and cry because nobody's sitting around me mm -hmm. because that's just not the place for it. The workplace to me isn't for feeling those emotions. It's to get your work done and go home and then feel it there. Yeah, um, that was uh, a lot. I, um, while you were speaking, I thought of another quote from the book um, that I also posted that is very interesting. Um, so in this book, they talk about the quality, which is the, the white, the masters, the, the people that lived in the home, the plantation, sorry. Um, and they talked about the task, which is 
if obviously if you're a fair skin, then you are tasking, you live, um, you may work in the house. You may or may not be fair skin. Um, and then they talked about the low, like the people that worked in the field. So anyway, it says the quality, for instance, did not inquire on the inner workings of their people. They knew our names and they knew our parents, but they did not know us because not knowing was essential to their power. To sell a kid, sorry, it says child, to sell a child right from under his mother, you must know that the mother only in the thinnest way possible. You, you must know that mother only in the thinnest way possible. To strip a man down, condemn him to be beaten, flayed alive, and then anointed with salt water, you cannot feel him the way you feel your own. You cannot see yourself in him, lest your hand be stayed and your hand must never be stayed because the moment it is, the task will see that you see them and thus see yourself. That stuck out to me because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, and I'll give you um, what I kind of posted about it. I honestly, the, this book is hard to read with everything else going on. I, honestly said I was going to put the book down um, because to read about slavery and to see the parallel what's going on now is so hard it's so mind-boggling it's so frustrating that I was just like I don't know if I can handle this mm -hmm. so but because it's uncomfortable I feel like I need it mm -hmm. I need it to grow I need to learn if I'm not trying to learn about my history that that's a problem right mm -hmm. um and also face that reality so um I, I wrote something i said i almost decided not to continue reading this book with everything that's going on in the media though this is a fiction book the reality is the inter interwoven stories of the characters are scarcely parallel to our lives today i commend anyone doing a deep dive in the depth of their soul to ask the hard questions um, and I said, uh, reading this made me think of vulnerability, the vulnerability it takes to understand the depths of others. Instead of taking the time to know the totality of others, we pick and choose which experiences we want to acknowledge, whether we identify with them or not. Truly understanding others requ requires us to see them and for us to be seen. Uh, and we've talked about vulnerability many times on this episode. I mean, sorry, this podcast, but that's one way I feel like we'll be able to get past some of the racism is if other people identify with those of a different skin color. Because if I don't identify with you, if I don't connect with you, I'm, I can pick and choose like, Sierra, we're the same skin color, right? I can say, I identify with your skin color. Mm -hmm. I identify with your personality because it's jovial you're nice you're you're smart i identify with that mm -hmm. but i don't identify with your hair i don't identify with the hard parts of you right mm -hmm. so even as a friend even as a just a person in general i feel like if we're not identifying with the hard parts of someone we can't really call ourselves friends humans like we should take the time out to really sit and get to know people for who they are and so george floyd is a black man and he's a human period he deserved whether he was whatever he was being arrested for because again guys i'm not claiming to know all the facts 
mm-hmm. whatever he was arrested for, it doesn't even matter. But only because of his skin color, I personally feel like he was pinned down like a pig and his soul left his body on that day within a couple of minutes, all because of someone wanted to show their power, their pride, and their skin color. That is not fair to a mother, a child, a brother, a sister, a friend, or a loved one. And I think it's going to take us having those hard conversations with ourselves, with our friends, with our coworkers. And I even want to say with y'all president, in order to, (laughs) in order to keep moving the needle forward. And I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Sierra. I have so much to add, but I know, <laughs> I, I know that we have to be very mindful mindful of the time of what we, what we say. And, and like you said, I don't know all the facts. I also will admit I have not watched the video. I have not listened to the audio of neither him nor Ahmad. Um, who was simply running down the street, wasn't getting arrested by a police officer, jogging down the street. I walk every day, you know what I'm saying? So for me, I purposely don't look at any of that stuff because once those images are in my mind, I can't take them out. And someone who deals with anxiety and panic attacks, I don't try to add anything extra. But the pain is still there because you realize that the person did, didn't do anything for their life to be taken, regardless of what George Floyd was doing. He didn't do anything outside of be a person with a little extra melanin in his skin. Now, whether or not he was, they said he's a gentle giant, he's probably tall, tall and black together, must have been a threat. Who knows? But I do believe that the officer was trying to assert his dominance and it definitely turned out negative. And the fact that it got caught on tape is interesting because one, just think of all the people who weren't caught on tape doing the same thing. Absolutely. There are so, there, I am sure there are millions probably of incidents similar that are never caught on tape. But then it also bothers me. I didn't see, so I didn't see the video, so I don't know if there's a whole lot of people in the background, but if one person standing there videotaping it and I heard it was a female, so I wouldn't expect her to jump in. She was female. She was black. I ended up seeing her and she was very devastated. But I will say, I thought about that when I, I seen like a glimpse of the recording. I couldn't watch someone die. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to finish the video. I seen like the beginning, not not even the beginning. I think I see like a few seconds. But I will say that um, we learned early in school, it's probably the bystander effect. One, you think someone else is going to do something. So you feel like you you don't have to. Um, to the girls, those were police officers who's supposed to protect and serve. So she's not probably thinking like, let me go, like, who can you go get, right, to assist, but another police officer. So yeah. 
and that's a hard situation. So I definitely don't blame her. And I don't know if her even stepping in or whoever could step in would have helped. I feel like if there was honestly some a white person on the street, I would have wished that they would step in. I seen this video of I don't know what the guy was doing, but he was in a courtroom and everywhere he moved, um, there was this Asian lady and um, this white guy. They moved everywhere he moved. And mm -hmm. you could see they had guns pointed at the black guy, but everywhere they moved, no one touched them. Mm -hmm. So I think it takes standing up and fighting for our own rights and um, it also, hmm, it also starts in our own community, right? And I want to say this because I was actually watching, um, not to change subjects a little bit, but I was watching the Red Table Talk, and they were talking about colorism. Mm -hmm. And with that, they talked about colorism, and colorism is real in all communities. Let me just say that, because I've talked to um, uh, a lot of people, and I've been overseas, and I've seen signs and ads saying, you know, get this lightning cream and, you know, light is right. But it's definitely a problem in the Black community. And one thing they said, they were talking about colorism within, you know, with Black women, right? But something that I never think about when we talk about colorism, I never thought of it with Black men. And now that I'm looking at all of the men who were targeted or men who were murdered or killed, they were dark, of darker skin, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's really sad in our own community that we can't come together and say we're all beautiful, regardless of the shade of blackness. We're all the same. We're all the same race. Mm -hmm. I, I know colorism is real, but I feel as though within the last few years, it's kind of changed a little bit. I feel like growing, when I was growing up, oh yeah, you was black, like dark, you got talked about really bad. But, and it could be just the age that I'm at, at the level that I'm at. Um, people are look they're embracing the melanin in their skin. So they're not, they're uniting a little bit more than what we were doing like in the 90s. We're like, oh, she light skin and she got this, she got that. Now it's kind of like, you still see the videos of the lighter skin girls, the longer hair and all that stuff. But I feel as though because so much is happening, our community itself, I know you were saying like the people who these incidents have happened to are darker skin. So that's the non-black people targeting them. But us as a community, I feel like we're starting to look at the rainbow of our colors and really embrace everybody so i have a uh a, a different take on that i think it's based on perspective who we follow and i mean on social media and also targeted marketing because the black dollar we pay a lot towards like makeup and um hair and things like that so it's easy um to talk about diver diversifying or um inclusion when it's beneficial I want to see where we're included when it's not beneficial to anyone, right? Um, I think because of everything is so filmed and everything is so 
um, documented nowadays. So people have to say, you know, no, I'm, I'm not excluding anyone, but we may be an afterthought. And I, we, if you're, you're, talking, to, you're talking about corporations, um, corporations, I'm talking about all in, in people that I follow too, and just on social media. And I will say something else that I thought about too is, um, oh my God, my thought just went away. Give me one second to think about it. <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying before. So skip, skip past this. I'll come back. Okay. <laughs> Going back to what I was saying though, about the videoing of it. Um, I, I don't blame her at all whatsoever. But like you said, there could have been other bystanders and it's like, who did what, who saw what the bystander are just watching this happen. And yeah, who do you call? You can't call the cops because the cops are there, but just because there's four dirty ones doesn't mean that you can't get on the line and a hundred people call and you just never know who can come. Call yeah, I don't even, I'm trying to think about if that was me, I don't think I would have filmed. That's just me, but I'm like, what would I have done? Mm -hmm. What could I have done? What would have been my first instinct? Like I probably would have, this is so sad to say, I probably would have just kept walking. Like I would, I would have been too fearful to stay and see what happened, you know? Cause sometimes as black people, like I, I know for me personally, I'm like, oh my God, it has nothing to do with me. I don't want to get involved. I'm trying to save my life. Like, so sometimes to, to the quote, you turn a blind eye because you don't want it to be you or want to get involved. And then now you're in trouble for helping someone. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like, what, what do you think she could have done differently? No, for her, for, for her to record it was fine. I have no issues with her. I think she did what she, cause she couldn't, someone needed to capture it. She couldn't call the cops and video at the same time. And now there's evidence. True. I'm fine with her. I'm talking about any other bystanders because I couldn't, I didn't watch. So I, I'm assuming they're on a public street. Somebody's driving by, someone's walking by their storefront. Somebody saw something. They right. weren't in a park. So those people could have done something. My instinct would be to not be that close because bullets don't have names. That's true. So my dad taught me that as a child. Bullets don't have names. I will to keep my distance but I probably would have called somebody like the, the like firefighters or some, you know, call the um, non-emergency cop line, like this is happening right now, or even regular 911, because yes, there's four dirty cops, or I won't say they're dirty, but four cops that are doing something that's not right, but you never know if that fifth one comes, who they can be and what they can do. Um, I think uh, another thing that is very helpful is probably education because that's what I thought about when you were talking. I'm like, if I, like, we know maybe possibly who to call, right? But for the average person, for someone, and I came from a country, a small town, so for someone back home, I don't think they would have been like, oh, well, let me call like the fire department or let me, you know, if anything, they, they may, if you're from a small town, you may say, well, I know such and such. Uh, family let me call one of them but I don't think 
they would know to call who to call or what to do in those situations. I think educating and learning about what we can do, what pre- mm-hmm. possibly not to do in those situations is very beneficial. And I, I want to say thank you because I feel like, and I'm not boasting us up, but I feel like this podcast being a platform where we can help educate and, um, you know, disperse information is very helpful too. Yeah. Um, And it is, education is a good way to um, make sure we all know what to do in those types of situations because a lot is happening and you don't want to sit there and think like, what do I say? What do I do? Um, that muscle memory will just have you do it. But in those situations, it is glad. I am glad that somebody did get it on tape because if it wasn't caught on tape, there would never be a trial. We don't know when there will be a trial, what's going to happen, but there's definitely real life evidence of it. Um, yeah. So, and then the not the number. And I believe it's pound seven seven is the non um, emergency number. If you're like on the side of the road or you see something, call that instead of nine one one. Kind of goes to the same dispatcher area, I believe. But oh, that's it, good. I didn't know that. You'll if you're driving um, on highways, you'll you probably never even paid attention to it. But there are signs that say it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's another thing that my dad taught me a long time ago. Know where your mile marker is, and this is the number you call so that you can tell them where you are. Um, so I think that's something. But one thing that I really did want to bring up, I know that you've talked about a couple of the quotes you read in your book and the mm-hmm. posts you had. So I recently posted on my social media as well about it, um, about everything that I was feeling because I felt like, there's times where stuff happens and I'm always talking about, you know, guard your mental health and, you know, don't look at stuff. Don't take in anything that can hurt you. But then I started to think about it. I'm like, wait, what's really happening? Let me, let, I have to let this out and say how I'm feeling. So basically I saw a, a picture, a meme that said, dear non-black friends, I'm paying attention to your silence. And I sat on that picture for like, two days and I'm like this is that's true who's my timeline is going crazy right now but it's all people that look like me where are the people who don't look like me posting their outrage posting their concern so um my post is a little long and I will paraphrase some of it but I'm gonna go ahead and read it to you guys right now because it definitely came from my heart and how I honestly feel in this time having been somebody who has dealt with racism firsthand which is crazy to think back about Mm -hmm. so my post says to be a hundred percent honest your silence really does speak loud and clear here's a moment of transparency when i was growing up in arizona i wasn't it wasn't unusual for me to be the minority in the class i used to wonder to myself why do i have to be different why don't i look like the other kids Why do I always get called on to answer questions about slavery and MLK during Black History Month and others didn't? At that time, I saw what made me different as a handicap. Years later, I realized it was a blessing from God 
I love every ounce of the woman I am today. My first taste of racism happened in the first grade when a little girl called me a black female dog. Sorry, y'all, I don't cuss. So I, but yeah, she called me that um, at, uh, during recess. I still remember it as though it was yesterday. I honestly don't, didn't know what it meant at the time, but the way she said it, I knew it wasn't said with love. I was a sensitive child, so the words cut deep, especially since I thought we were friends. Through tears, I told the teacher what happened. She got in trouble. And to sum it all up, I knew that she was young. As I look back, she was young. So it wasn't something that she learned. It, was some, it wasn't something that she knew inside. It was something she learned from people around her. Do I hold her actions against her entire race? Do I think every non-Black person is racist? Of course not. But sometimes I catch myself questioning, do people really see me <clears throat> for the drive accomplished in my accomplishments or do they see she's really smart and doing great for a black girl? Like that's really, that's real. I, I think about that every day while I'm at work. That's not what's in my post. But I do think about that every day. Like I am selling. Do they see me as a human excelling or they say, oh, wow, she, we better make sure we keep pushing her up because she's a black girl and she's doing her thing. And I, that's, that's racism as well. But to continue on with what I said, no, I didn't personally know any of the recent victims we've seen flash across our TV screens during the evening news. I'm embarrassed to admit that I've lost count of all of their names. Furthermore, I haven't mustered up the courage to watch the videos of Ahmad being hunted down in broad daylight while peacefully jogging or George pleading for his life and calling for his mother to help him while being suffocated at the hands of those who took an oath to protect and serve. I don't have to see or hear it to feel the pain. And believe me, the incidents like these hit close to home. I have a father, brothers, cousins, uncles, friends, and colleagues like look like them. I look like them. I go on to say that I was walking my dog one night and I was afraid to put my hoodie on. It was midnight. I live in a good neighborhood, but at the same time, I didn't think somebody was gonna rob or rape me, but I was afraid of being attacked by simply, simply because of the color of my skin. I know it sounds crazy, but it truly is a genuine fear, and I can't believe the actions of a few racist people have brought me to the point of feeling like I have to look over my shoulders at all times. I go on to talk about Amy Cooper, who was the, the white woman whose video went viral. And I actually did watch that one because nobody was hurt. Um, she's in Central Park and she literally, I cannot believe she called the cops and said that he's attacking her, he's threatening her life and he's nowhere near her. And then I saw a video of Tom Austin in Minneapolis. I don't know if you've seen that video, Ebony, but Basically, he is in a gym, and there's some African-American young men that are in there, and he was like, what are you doing here? Are you supposed to be in this building? I'm calling the cops because you're not supposed to be here. You're not a tenant here. And they're like, we pay rent here. We've been living here, for, or we've been here paying rent for years. Like, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to be here. So in those two instances, two white people have called the cops on Black men for doing absolutely nothing that's inciting fear in those officers already. They're coming, even if they're not even racist, mm -hmm. they're already coming on a, like a good nine, eight and a half, nine, ready for action because 
the way that the lady was in the phone, oh my gosh, like he's attacked, like the, her, the distress in her voice was real. And you clearly see he's not even nowhere near her. Nowhere near her. Nowhere near her. At, at a point, she walked towards him and then she walked back. So it's just, it's terrible that those things are happening and then we have to feel the way that we feel. But what I said is my heart goes out to the families of the loved ones of all the victims that have been murdered at the hands of racism. Unfortunately, this is nothing new. Now it's just being caught on videos. My prayers go out to the community because racism is real. My heart cries, but I'm not saying this because I want you to say, hey girl, thanks for posting this. I want to see a change. I need to see a change. Don't just stand there and videotape, help the person or call someone that can. I do like that the place where she worked, Franklin Templeton has fired her. And then also for Tom Austin, the office building he was renting the space from, they've mm -hmm. also terminated his lease. Oh yeah, I saw that video too. And it's just like, and that's another fear, things that make us fearful. I know at least for myself is, the higher you, the more you educate yourself, the more money you make, the more you start to go into these spaces, you realize that I don't have a lot of people that look like me. And you start to feel unsafe because it's kind of like, how long are they going to let me be here? You start feeling like almost an imposter. Like, and then for someone to come up to tell you, why are you here? Are you sure you're supposed to be here and you've paid for something like why out of all the people in here you come up to me yeah because of my skin color because yeah. of something that i was born with that i can't i wouldn't change and can't and can't help right so it's almost it's something innate and sickening to me that you would even someone would even challenge someone being in a building right something that they're paying for as well it's not like it's your building that exactly. you own exactly so i think that was good sierra i think um another thing too is um i had posted something similar on my social media about just i am friends with a, a lot of people of a lot of races and sometimes it's difficult to have these conversations like i said before but as I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm becoming more vocal and more grounded and more into who I am, I'm not going to start, stop having these hard conversations. I'm going to let people know, like, you can be my friend, but if you aren't asking me about these things and if you're not, um, I, and I'm, to me, I'm okay with you saying, hey, Ebony, like, I don't know what to do. That's fine, right? Mm -hmm. But just simply not doing is not. Yeah, I think not saying anything, not doing anything, that shows you that they're, and kind of acting like it doesn't happen, mm -hmm. is like, are you my friend? Because if you don't understand that why I'm hurting, or why I may feel a certain way about this, then you don't know me and you're not really my friend. And it's fine, it's cool. You don't have to be friends with everybody, but the whole purpose of me mm -hmm. posting what I posted was just for people to know, like, this is what happened to me. Like I have, I have felt it myself. I still feel it every day and I go to work. 
every time I see, you know, people of certain, um, like older white men, I'm looking at them like, are they looking at me like, what's she doing here? I have been in a meeting where I was literally the youngest person, and I'm with CEOs and everybody, um, big, big defense contract companies in there, Booz Allen, like you name it, Boeing. CEOs are in there. I'm the youngest by 30 years, no lie. And the only black person, male or female. And of that, there was only three other females in the room. So talk about minority of a minority of a minority. And I'm like, how did I get to select to even be in this room? Why am I here? I don't feel comfortable being here because the average person is like 65, a white male. And are they looking at me like, why is this little black kid in here? They may not have been, but that's how I feel. And I felt like I should have, I, I almost didn't even want to be there once I noticed that. It would have been a, it's a great opportunity for me, but would it have really helped me anyway? Because if it came down to getting a raise or getting another promotion or something, are they going to say, oh yeah, it was cool to have her there to show we were being diverse. Mm-hmm. But we rather have such and such take the next position or, you know, we rather someone else that looks like us, Tom, to go ahead and have it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you were saying earlier when you were talking about sometimes they do it just for the looks of it. I found out later that I was nominated by my management and they probably didn't know how diverse the meeting was going to be. And they could have been just giving me that opportunity and I appreciate it. But at the same time, it's like little things like that we need a minority. We need someone of color. We need you on the website because you, we don't have anybody else. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Been there, done that. So. Um, another thing I want to talk about is, and I think, um, I think to, to friends listening is some things that you can do. Uh, let's say you're not a person of color, but you have a person of color as a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Some things that you can do. One, ask that person, are they okay? Okay. So, and this is not just simply asking. You need to be genuine and then also wait for that person's response. Um, Because sometimes, and this is not even a racism issue, um, we in general as a society have a hard time expressing our feelings on how we feel about something because we are not given the proper space to respond Mm -hmm. um so i think that's one thing someone can do another thing is ask how can you help how can i get involved um what can i do do you have any books that i can educate myself on can you have a discussion with me and i think if someone doesn't know like having a discussion with someone and asking them questions and um being you know open and willing to listen is a start because the more you're educated, the more you can educate your friends, the more you can educate your parents, the more you can educate people of your race so that we can all live as one big happy family. But until we're all educated and we're all seeing each other as human, I don't foresee this going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Um, so to think about my 
my non-black friends what can they do for me mm-hmm. I do agree that yes definitely just check up see how I'm doing um and like you said be genuine with it and then outside and then educate you know educate themselves and to pass that on like to their family to their friends because let's be real we are going to most times associate with people who look like us it's natural it's human nature you feel that connection instantaneously like oh she looks like me her hair oh she got braids oh mm-hmm. she's brown skin yeah yeah that's my friend um so i'm not even going to get mad that because most of my friends are black that most of their friends may be white or most of their friends may be asian or hispanic whichever race they are it makes sense but educate yourself and then educate those around you and make sure that it's not just like a surface level like you were saying earlier like we really have to look into our look inside ourselves and then we have to really try to look at other people and put ourselves in their position to kind of be empathetic like you may not ever know what it's like to be in a country where you were born and raised and you are afraid to stop at a gas station because oh this might be too country of a town telling you absolutely no sense for me to live in the united states of america and I'm driving from Maryland to Charlotte and I won't stop in certain, I only stop at two gas stations on the way down. I don't even need to stop. I just stop because I like treats and stuff, (laughs) but I um, just try to make it a little lighthearted, but I won't stop because you, I don't feel comfortable. And again, no, not because, oh, I'm a woman and someone's going to try to take advantage of that because I'm black and they may not want this black person there. Absolutely. And that's absolutely crazy to me. Uh, you know, I'm from South Carolina, and so I've dealt with racism before. Um, the last incident, this is not specifically like no one didn't do anything for me, but I remember I was traveling with a friend from Georgia back to South Carolina, and we left pretty late from Atlanta, and we were driving on back roads, and sometimes, you know, your GPS takes you out of the way, unfortunately, and I already was a little weary about leaving at night around that area and so I'm driving back home and um, I lived in Columbia South Carolina at the time and I'm driving and I kid you not I see a burning cross and I'm like oh my gosh the first thing I do is I hit the lock on my door mm-hmm. I make sure both of my and it's not even a laughing matter but I make sure both of my hands are on the steering wheel I yep. tense up I feel my body tense I'm like, are my lights working? Can I see? Because it's a dark road. There are no lights on the road. You're in, you're in the backwoods. There's nothing. I have a friend with me, like I said. So I turn to him. It's my friend. We've been friends for a long time. Just strictly a friend. And I turn to him. I said, look, I'm going to try to get us out of here. We are, I'm going to drive, you know, as fast as possible, but also within the speed limit so that we can get out of here. And we both sat, literally, you could hear a pin drop because we could, we were holding our breath so that we can get out until we got to the interstate. And that always stuck with me. Um, Mm. And so that's the last experience that I, but that's just minor to the things that I've experienced regarding racism, colorism. Um, It's just, 
to live in fear every day and it's innate sometimes it's not even sometimes you're not even conscious but you 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 the minute you try to step outside of your skin you're automatically put back there yeah so let me ask you a question Mm -hmm. so i and i'm only asking this because oh i I love what you about to ask i'm just kidding (laughs) i have a story about how it made me feel when i saw it and how i've been in the exact place but say you're just driving you're like you're like oh i'm gonna drive as fast as i can but within the speed limit so that i don't um get pulled over do you remember the other day when i was going to chipotle yeah and i was like there's a cop car behind me oh yeah and i was on the phone with you and you were like oh my, oh gosh oh my gosh cop cars ebony like the the beating of my heart when they're behind me i'm like oh my god what did i do they can be pulled to the side and not even do anything like it's just mm-hmm. like a fear of what could happen if they feel like i am doing something exactly and when you were talking about how you were trying to drive back to drive you know slow i'm mm-hmm. thinking and I was, was we on, we were on uh, FaceTime or, you know. We were on, um, I was app. you, I don't know, I was giving you a video. And I said in the video. Oh, Marco Polo, okay, got it. Marco Polo, I said in the video, girl, he's still behind me. Uh-oh, he just turned right. I said, I'm not doing anything. I got my hands on 10 and 2. Like, if he pulls me over, I am not turning this video off. I mm-hmm. said that in the video, even though you wouldn't have seen it until I pressed send. Right. I was not turning that video off until I knew he wasn't going to pull me over until he because when he turned right from the left lane honey and you weren't even doing anything you were just like I'm nervous like I'm not even doing anything but he's behind me knock on wood I've never been pulled over but the fear of having him behind me and this was before George Floyd but it's been after so many other things that happened and so when I was in Charlotte in October is the same thing I left deep downtown Charlotte and I'm driving and I don't know where I am so I needed my GPS and for some reason all my heart just kept saying was please don't let the cops pull me over please don't let the cops pull me over and I wasn't doing anything there weren't even no cops around but I just had this feeling and I don't know if something had just happened but I was fearful oh they weren't okay the cops were around but it was because there was construction so you know the ones on the side of the road Mm mm-hmm and I hadn't been, there was no reason why they would have pulled me over, but the fear of being pulled over by a cop and you see them, the first thing you're like, okay, do I call somebody? Do I put on a video? Do I tape this? What do I do? Because if their lights shine, who do I call? Because I want somebody to hear everything. I want someone to see everything. And we should never have to feel that type of fear. Yeah, if you're doing something, that's one thing. But the fact that we are not doing anything and we know it, but we're still as afraid as if we were a criminal, because in their, some of their eyes, they will find a reason to pull you out the car. And someone posted that today. He said his biggest fear has been being asked to be pulled out of a car by a cop. But when he's gotten pulled over, he's turned his music down. He's put his windows all the way down in all of the four windows. He's taken his hat off. He's, and he's kept his hands up the whole time and prayed that they didn't pull him out the car. Because once you're out of the car, just like at Queen and Slim, once you're out of the car, that was a fictional movie, but we see how that happens in real life. I haven't seen it, but it does make me fearful uh, for myself, my family. You know, I have brothers. I have a lot of brothers. I have sisters. I have a dad. You know, that's, it's, it's crazy how 
in those moments, you're like, let me do the best that I can to prevent myself from being another statistic. So this whole talk has been on racism, how we've experienced it, little things that we see happen and how it may make us feel just because deep down we're already running on a, a level of anxiety of what could happen to us just because it's happening to both men and women. So don't think, we don't think that just because we're women, we can't, you know, they're only targeting men. Like it's happening to people. Um, Breonna Taylor was at her home. So where do you find refuge when you're in your own apartment and they come in? Absolutely. It can really happen to anybody, but I did see a post online um, where it says, what can you do? So some of the things you can do is you can contact the district attorney in whatever state that issue is happening so for the case of um uh george floyd minneapolis um district attorney and i've definitely emailed you can sign a petition i've signed a petition yes support racial justice organizations so that's black lives matter naacp the southern poverty law center the united negro college fund Black Youth Project 100, Dream Defenders. There's so many more that you can support financially. Um, you can do, if you don't have the money, you can go out there and pass out flyers. You know what I'm saying? Support, support, support. Spread the word. Do not sit in silence. If you're, like Ebony said, like before we used to kind of sit there like, no, we don't, our voice doesn't matter. Say something. You may not, don't, you don't have to be the person to keep posting all the videos because sometimes your followers may not want to see them. I am one of them. Um, but there may be some people who have not seen it and didn't even know it was happening. So post it. If I don't want to see it, I'll scroll past. But someone, it might be educating somebody on what's happening. Take action in your community and most importantly, vote. Don't just vote. Oh, amen. Do not just vote because you like that name. Educate yourself about the candidates. Every last one of them them have a website um find out what their platforms are and you need to go out and vote tell your family and your friends to vote not only vote for the president you're voting for senators your vote you got to vote for governors you've got to vote for the justice system like the people that are correct not correctional officials who you who you're letting in the schools superintendents, superintendents those are on the ballot too you know all of that like from law to children you we are voting for everything so please 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 learn your the people that you want to vote for really educate yourself and let your voice be heard yes let your voice be heard like we can talk about this all day but until the people at the top start to look more like you and me and start to and even if they don't if they have those those if they are able to empathize with us, if they can feel what we feel and they want to stand up for us, then fine, be whatever race you are. It doesn't matter to me. But to have the people who don't look like us, who don't care and who will never ever understand running everything, that's not okay. No, and let's continue to educate ourselves and our friends. And I think that'll mo help move the dial too. Um, and thank you, for Sierra, for looking that up, because I feel like all of those points you made were really important. Um, I also want to say to you guys that the experiences that Sierra and I spoke about, they're not, not the totality of what we've been through, or what we've witnessed. Um, we just gave you a very minor um, 
very minor minor stories. Yeah, a look into our experiences. Um, We want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback. Um, If you want to just chat us in general, you want to talk about this situation, please feel free to DM us. Again, we are at the Real Play Podcast. If you don't want to DM and you want to email, we're at the the Real Play Podcast at gmail.com as well. Um, We'll love to hear from you. You can also leave us a voice note. So um, we have it linked on our Instagram under, um, there's a link there and you can leave us a voice note and uh, we may feature feature you on a podcast if you leave us one. So um, with that being said, we really just wanted you guys and us to to kind of have a platform where we're able to discuss topics like this. So um, we hope we've done uh, you guys a due diligence and um, we tried to say as much as we can in this short amount of time and convey our feelings. Um, we hope it came across correctly. And if we said anything uh, unintentionally, we apologize in advance. Mm-hmm. So we're human as well. Yes, we do thank you for listening. This is like everything else we talk about on our podcast. This is just coming from our eyes, from our experiences. Um, we're not here to try to belittle anybody, to make anybody feel like they should have done something differently or that their viewpoints are not, you know, cool. Um, but we just really wanted to kind of talk about what we've been through because as we're seeing this stuff happen, we start to realize we really are encountering it. We've encountered it. And even if we have, even if you haven't had like a real life, you're driving down the street and you see a burning cross or, um, you know, the fear of, that I have of walking down the street, or if I see big trucks driving down, are they going to come and just run me over? Like, even if you haven't had any of that stuff happen to you, as a African-American person in the United States of America, I, I feel as though a lot of us probably still feel that tingle, like, you know, looking over our shoulder, and it's not a comfortable feeling to feel, and hopefully one day we won't have to feel it. But until now, Amen. you know, watch each other's back. We're here. We've got it. We're a community, a community of beautiful people. So love each other, communicate, educate, respect, pray, 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 pray. most importantly, 630 every day, (laughs) every night. Like I am lifting up everybody, all the people, I'm with the community, the government, just the world right now. We need prayer. And we just love, like love. Love is everything. So that's all I got. I thank you guys so much for listening. Hope that you will come back for our next episode. But Ebony, like, I guess this is it, right? Yes, this is it. Thank you guys for listening so much. We really appreciate it. Um, And uh, again, let us know what you guys think. And until the next episode, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on all social media platforms at The Real Play Podcast. We would love to hear from you, so leave us a comment, DM, or voice note. And don't forget to come hang out with us on our next episode.